0: Is you <laughs> darling, and remember the little way people like I am long, long gone.
1: hello and welcome to mountain talk you may not know this but in the wmmt listening area we have 29 state and federal prison facilities though most of us don't see them thousands of people live there they are members of our communities even though they can't vote go to fall festivals with us or in many cases leave the facility at all many of these prisons have rehabilitative missions but some people incarcerated there say they have struggled to receive the help they need in order to heal and improve themselves, or even just to survive their time in prison. Shouse has lived in prison facilities for his entire adult life. Currently, he spends his days in Wallens Ridge State Prison. If you drive past the town of Big Stone Gap, you can see it up above the road, like a city on a hill, its floodlights shining without end. In the fog or in the dark, it casts a sharp salmon glow on the side of the mountain, brighter than the lights in the town below. Before we continue, an advisory. This story contains descriptions of deeply traumatic experiences behind the prison walls, including accounts of mental illness and self-harm.
0: I've been in here for 32, uh, 32 and a half years to pull up for robbery and use of a following commission of a robbery. And, um, yeah, I've been in here for 22 years. it took 15 years in solitary confinement and Rhode Island state prison, basically, for having mental illness and not being able to cope with being locked in a cell for 24 hours a day. I started hurting myself, swallowing things, cutting myself, anything to get out of that cell in the hopes to either kill myself or just or to just, you know, live life in a hospital where I was treated better than I was in prison. And it's a sad reality, but it's the truth. I'm not ashamed of it.
1: The tensions and traumas of prisons and jails don't stay fully contained within their walls. Communities around the institutions are connected to them. Problems inside can create pain that seeps into the local social fabric. Artie Ann Bates knows firsthand. She is a retired psychiatrist and used to work at the psychiatric hospital in Hazard. The hospital's clientele included correctional officers, as well as currently and formerly incarcerated people from some of the region's biggest prisons.
2: So I've had folks that were incarcerated at the time, and then some who had been released and were having difficulties um, reintegrating with their families or their community, um, having, having problems adjusting to life outside of that environment most of them were male and the ones who were out of prison were middle-aged or a little bit beyond most of them and um, sometimes they were trying to live with an adult child who was willing to give them a try because they had no place else to go and maybe this adult child had children and um, So sometimes that presented a problem because they had some difficulty with maybe being over-attached to their adult child and seeing the children as more adversarial as they demanded the adult child's attention. While they loved their grandchildren, they found them irritating when they got loud or rambunctious or wrestling, um, or particularly offensive if they found them um, resisting the authority of their adult child. And so sometimes they overreacted to that and stepped in and tried to give advice when it wasn't warranted. And so what was actually happening is that they were misinterpreting social cues as being Threatening when they weren't or perceiving a need to protect their adult child when they really didn't need to So there were those kinds of adjustment issues Um, Sometimes also Interpreting social cues as threatening to them personally when they really weren't Or not being able to tolerate a high level of noise or conflict in the home and finding that they felt very defensive uh, when that happened because they had been so used to the prison environment, where loud noise probably did mean a threat, or uh, where a certain level of self-protectiveness was necessary, and that didn't that didn't apply in the home. In fact, it was counterproductive in the home. I don't know how much they would tell
1: you about pr- like life in prison, but I'm wondering. You know, we have this claim about rehabilitative function of prison.
2: I um. Didn't usually try to pry into that because sometimes with trauma, um, it's best not to reopen the wound until the person's really ready to do that and wanting to do that. <clears throat> but sometimes they would talk about it and they would just say more glib things like, um, in there, and what you have to do to survive in there, and <clears throat> that they had seen fights and that kind of thing. Um, that their safety had been threatened. Um, I also have had patients who had been employed at some of the uh, prisons around, and um, obviously they were coming to see me, so they had some mental health problem, and there was usually an element of trauma, post-traumatic stress disorder to that. Um, Sometimes they had had broken bones because of trying to do takedowns and manage conflicts in the prison. So I think there's um, trauma on both ends of the spectrum those who are incarcerated and those who are trying to manage the day-to-day milieu. So You've seen some adult
1: children of incarcerated people. I'm wondering how you've seen the trauma of having been incarcerated or whatever trauma like that person had been dealing with before they were incarcerated. Like How did that sort of play out?
2: Well, some of the people that I saw who'd been incarcerated for lengthy period of time, periods of time had had tumultuous childhoods. Um, Sometimes they had been in multiple foster homes, or they had been abandoned by parents, or had um, been in homes where there was a lot of chaos and violence and so forth, or homes where a parent, usually a dad, had been in prison and had been out of the home for a significant time in this person's development. Um, So they um, had had obstacles in life toward functioning conforming as society expected them to Um, and some of their behaviors obviously caused them to get convicted rightly or wrongly that's what had happened and um, then they may have developed a tough exterior to survive that at the expense of more internal growth that they really would need when they got out and tried to be part of a family. Um, Because I guess in prison, showing your vulnerability is a risk. And to live in a family, one has to show their vulnerabilities and be willing to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong, Uh, you're right.
1: What's the generational impact of that into like children and grandchildren that
2: you've seen? Well, it's pretty normal to at least have a hope that you can love your grandparent and they come home from prison and there's an effort on the child's part. a hope that they can be close. Um, but if that grandparent is, um, labile, uh, easily hostile, easily fearful, condemning, criticizing, expecting them to be perfect little angels as kids instead of normal kids, then I think there gets to be this disparity between what the child wants from this grandparent and what they're able to get, because this person who's been in prison either doesn't know how to give it or forgot how to give it or never learned in the first place because it wasn't part of their upbringing. Um, so then there can be some frustration and then the child may say well I don't have to listen to you you're not my parent which can become a sort of inflammatory statement for someone who's been in prison where you have to do what you're told or you will be in solitary confinement or you might get hit with the billy club or or whatever so um, it sort of becomes this um, almost impossible I wouldn't say totally impossible but almost impossible um, effort to just walk out the doors and suddenly be a part of a family yeah (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, I actually had a conversation with someone who's a big prison proponent recently and I said if you're just going to talk about the jobs about the salary and the early retirement you're telling half-truths because there's the behind locked doors aspect of this um, so I've seen some folks who had trauma, um, some who who said it was horrible work and they never it again. Some who said, piece. "Well, it wasn't that bad," however, they had incurred broken bones in uh, prison altercations. But um, and some people who, after working in that environment, just sort of said, "I don't really trust anybody anymore," and even developed some paranoid um tendencies in the way they viewed life to the point that they were willing to take medication for it Um, one person felt like i'm going to say they so i don't reveal the gender that they were being stalked as a part of their work in a prison in the region Um, and whether that was paranoia or reality Uh, This person said that an inmate who was getting out knows who I am and where I live and um, was genuinely afraid. Um, I think that there are a lot of people who want to work in a prison who think they can be a nice person and get along well with people. And I'm sure that does work. And I'm sure a lot of people in prison appreciate that. Part of it, I think, Is the dynamic that happens behind locked doors like I said at the meeting where the people who have keys become targets for the people who don't have keys that's true on a psychiatric ward Um, I'm certain it's true in prisons and I've read that as well uh, here but in that sense of vulnerability and lack of control a certain projection that you have keys and if I had those keys I could leave like you leave so um, I think if that's your life, both with the keys and without the keys, day in, day out for years or decades, then it gets to be a um, a paradigm that doesn't really reflect real life outside of there.
1: When a federal prison was initially proposed in Letcher County in 2016, many officials focused on the promise of 300 badly needed jobs in the county. In a November meeting, Elwood Cornett, a preacher from Roxana, Kentucky, argued that the prison was badly needed. Uh, we have put a terrible amount of work and time and money into
0: this, and what we want is federal jobs for our people of Letcher County.
1: Bates decided to oppose the project after seeing the psychological effects that life in prison can have to those on both sides of the bars. At the meeting, she read off a list of statistics about the impacts a prison job can have on correctional officers as well as incarcerated people.
2: We've already got some problems in our own backyard. The Letcher County Jail, and I, again, I pulled these statistics off the gov site. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry? No more statistics. No more statistics, okay. No. You said you were wrapping up. I'm wrapping up.
1: Though she didn't get to finish her comment, she's continued to write op-eds about the proposed prison to Whitesburg's Mountain Eagle newspaper. She feels there are some things prison proponents aren't grasping about the way it could impact the community.
2: Now, in terms of my work um, in opposition to this proposed prison, federal prison in Letcher County, I actually have um, learned some things about mental health aspects that I'm not sure I knew before. One is just that, that contact with family is one of the biggest ways to reduce recidivism. And yet I see Bureau of Prisons making these decisions that completely discard that. And that raises the question of what is Bureau of Prisons goal? <laughs> is the goal to get people out and they don't come back? Or what is the goal? If, you're, if they're not doing um, one of the cardinal practices that shows it reduces recidivism, then I'm left scratching my head at who's making decisions on transferring uh, inmates hundreds of miles away. Um, and I'm sure that happens in state prisons too. Um, but I think in working in opposition to this prison, and I have to say, I I really had not been sensitized to the, um, rapid expansion in the number of prisons, um, and to the extent at which that had happened in central Appalachia until I started working in opposition to this prison in Electric County. I just I guess I've been doing other things and it just really had not hadn't landed on my radar um, how extensive it is and how it doesn't seem to follow a logical pattern if the goal is to reduce recidivism (laughs) it's almost as if the goal is to well I won't say what the goal could be but I understand that there's a huge political arm to this where, where voters are afraid of crime. And so crime gets peddled. You hear of some horrific event and crime gets peddled as, um, a way to uh, help someone get elected, um, because they're going to be tough on crime. And the only solution they seem to have is building more prisons or extending prison sentences or giving or encouraging judges to give harsher prison sentences sentences, and passing laws that tie judges hands to do that instead of letting an individual judge look at mitigating factors and making um, a sentencing decision on an individualized basis, which makes a lot more sense to me. So um, with harsher sentences especially on drug crimes, and longer sentences, um, which I guess is part of harsher, um, and more incarceration for drug offenses that didn't used to be the case, maybe. Um, Rather than trying to take some different approach, then there's this knee-jerk plan to just build more prisons, not doing that, and some states uh, in which they really reduced their prison populations did not see an increase in crime. Because um, there are ways to do that. No illness and um, individualizing sentences. Uh, I mean, if I, if I carry marijuana across the state line, I understa- as I understand it, that's a federal offense. I could end up in a federal prison. Um, and if I'm black or brown or Native American, that's a lot more likely to happen than if I'm white. Um, and then I'm on this trajectory of failure after failure after failure. And then if I end up in prison, and I'm like the kid in Connecticut that got sent to Wallens Ridge, and I commit suicide because I'm just 20 years old, and I'm freaked out, um, then my life is done. And, and it's, it's sort of like these series of time of of spaces of of opportunities to to route someone's life in a positive direction and and I know there are people in the correction system who are trying to do that I'm sure there are really honorable people who are trying to do that but I think there's a little bit too much of politicians putting their thumb on the scale um, of, of promoting more prison growth and I think it's having a backfiring negative effect on our society and families and individuals. Um, So I hope that as we, our little grassroots group of people from across the country who are trying to stop this Letcher prison uh, can keep going and try to turn the tide of this really regressive pattern uh, that promotes violence, I think, um, is very racially unfair, um, really is, I think, promoting racial disparity, um, and when there will be statistically a third or more of those proposed 1,400 prisoners who will be um, African American Hispanic and yet the population if 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 they're proposing and promote promising these jobs are going to be going to local people then the guards are going to be I mean 97% white because that's the population of Lecher County so it just feels like a perpetuation of a Jim Crow kind of atmosphere and we need racial diversity in this county but we don't need it by bringing in people and locking them up. And we don't need to be taking people who are in prison, which is a stressful environment where they're there because theoretically they did something wrong and I'm sure most of the time that is true, but they need to be on a track to get back out and be productive again, not just stuck on a hamster wheel of going from prison to prison to prison, being disrupted from their family connections, where their likelihood of being able to not be recidivist, is reduced probably with every year they're in prison. In his
1: cell, Jacob Schaus spends a lot of his time writing poetry. He writes, he says, so that people understand his humanity and the humanity of the people who are behind bars with him. Over the crackling prison phone lines, Schaus shared one recent piece. Sure.
0: All right. Can you hear me? Yes. All right. Um... It's entitled, A Voice Through the Bars of Despair, by Jacob Stiles. A socioeconomic violence cannot be sustained while incarcerating a thousand humans to produce 300 or so jobs, especially in an occupation that essentially is modern-day slave master or that of a puppet to a slave system. The system treats its workers only a step above its slaves. Think about it. The DOC wouldn't have to offer signing bonuses if it was such a popular line to stand in, nor would most of prisons be operating on skeleton crews, modified lockdowns, and mandatory drafts. I have seen in each of my twenty plus years around thirty trainees during their hiring sessions, yet within sixty days of certifying around twenty there will inevitably be less than a fraction remaining. Maybe five where I see in a year or so later still in uniform. There seems to be a mixture of those in illusion of making a difference versus many inspired by a power trip. Neither get along well working beside one another. Those that are empathetic towards the atrocities they see and how prisoners are treated are plagued with insomnia from known risk in speaking out against our abusers. The dreadful helplessness akin to our own plight. They quickly turn a blind eye, capitulate, or quit. Most others thrive in the abuses of slaves. Work them, beat them, and feed them becomes a routine lifestyle whereby your civilian life of hardships becomes a reason and excuse to inflict such pain and punishment on the lesser humans you control. You take on the role of master and work while it bleeds into your character and consumes you. You cannot champion change without first realizing you are part of the problem. Joining their ranks involves a reactionary mentality, Welcome through the gate immediately compromises 90% of in your professional and personal integrity. True empathy cannot be compartmentalized. The situational action versus non-action doesn't sleep at night. Dilute your compassion, separate moral duty from institutional obligation, surrender human emotion and inborn attributes of goodness. The only difference you made was a reflection of your character. Southwest Virginia's remote prisons are by desire to mimic and reflect military control at rub and Guantanamo Bay's message of psychological torture towards the psychological, the philosophical, colonial rhetoric of secure and control this threat. Recognize, regard, and treat inmates as safe, and you will feel no more indignities. Do you really believe this posture would not bleed into the community in which you live and raise your children? A prison up the ridge from their school? where they aspire to have a career and they cannot dream any further? How many folks do you know have been to jail or have family or friends or families of friends that went away to prisons that are mostly isolated in remote locations that makes any visitation with loved ones near impossible? It is a reality that hangs over our lives and affects each and every uncomfortable ways. I've lived in these razor wire plantations for over two decades, being beaten, starved, denied medical and mental health care, and locked in total isolation of solitary confinement for having mental illness. I have become so suicidal that the word life leaves little or nothing to the imagination. The future, a bleak and painful reminder that it isn't over. More prisons will be built. More folks from poor and unstable communities will be incarcerated. More human beings will die alone and afraid. Human beings that could have been saved with funding community programs, academic rehabilitation centers, vocational job courses, etc. It is more important to discern that incarceration does not equate education; it should not be its replacement. Education provides for a far better chance to preclude criminological facets by navigating life in the proper context of civility. Mass incarceration only serves to reproduce those criminological factors. Not to mention, exploit prison labor and any financial support for family and friends. Suffice it to say, the person incarcerated, her, his family and friends, and the community they come from are all staring vacantly through the same bars of despair. A voice through the bars of despair. And that's what I wrote for you.
1: Today, you heard from Jacob Shouse, incarcerated at Wallens Ridge State Prison in southwestern Virginia, and Artie Ann Bates, a retired Eastern Kentucky psychiatrist. If you liked this episode, you can listen to Mountain Talk at wmmt.org or subscribe and download it as a podcast. From all of us here at WMMT, thanks for listening.
0: I really don't have to fight no more Because you know why Since the little war's over I can be with the little girl I love